After his temptation by the devil, Jesus has called Peter, Andrew, and the sons of Zebedee to be his disciples. Now he begins his ministry at a town on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and his disciples went into Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Anytime we have an exorcism in the Bible, I can't help but have my head go to the movie, you know, with Linda Blair, with the bed that's all tied up with padding, and she's twisting her head 360 degrees, and the green pea juice coming out of her face. And, and you know, so this... I don't think the scene in the synagogue was nearly that dramatic. (laughs) Or maybe they left out some details, but in any event, Jesus on the Sabbath is confronted during his teaching by a man with an unclean spirit. Now, at the time, the Jewish people understood the human mind, and I guess today we still do in a lot of ways, as if it is a battleground between good and evil. And sometimes good overcomes the evil, sometimes evil overcomes the good, and so forth. I'm kind of reminded of a story that the principal of our school told us. He borrowed from the Native American tradition about how a medicine man told a young brave that inside you are two wolves, one of light and one of darkness, and they're battling each other. And the young brave said to the medicine man, well, which one will win the battle? And the medicine man said, the wolf that you feed. 
I think it's a common or well-known story. And so the principal of our school took, it wasn't a wolf, the mascot of our school is an eagle, and he named the eagle Bubba. And so at the end of each email, he reminds us to feed Bubba with the implication, I suppose, that this is the eagle of light. I think it's a bad idea to feed the other eagle. Not sure what he named the other eagle, but in any event. The other high schools, the Vikings, so in any. But don't we tend to agree with that idea? Like, it's all a polarity, good or evil. And we're in a constant battle. And so it looks as though this man in the synagogue, on his mind-body continuum, that the evil spirit, the dark spirit, had overcome him. And so he was possessed completely of this evil spirit. And so... It's almost, in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, Buffalo Bob, Howdy Doody, mm. or for Craig, Jeff Dunham, and Peanut. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, the dark spirit is manipulating, you know, it's making the man speak and say things. But in The Exorcist, the movie, they said, this evil spirit does not touch the will. You know, the man was not sinning. It was rather the evil spirit that had momentarily won a victory. And so Jesus commands the spirit out, and presumably the man is healed. But if we dig deeper into this story... It's really not nearly as cut and dry as right and wrong. After all, this unclean spirit said, What have you to do to us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's all true. Jesus did come to overcome Satan and the kingdom of darkness. Jesus did come in order to destroy the hold that sin and death had on the world. Yes, Jesus did come to destroy the unclean spirits. And the unclean spirit was right. Jesus was the Holy One of God. Kind of uncomfortable now. The unclean spirit is actually the one speaking the truth. The synagogue is sitting here saying, we don't know who this guy is. He's saying really amazing stuff, teaching with authority. I don't have a clue who he is. And it's the unclean spirit who says, I know exactly who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Let me add another layer of complexity to this. Jesus is teaching on the Sabbath. 
in a synagogue. We, of course, know that the Sabbath is the seventh day, the Saturday, it's the day of rest. No work is intended to be done. Yet, exercising an unclean spirit from the man is work. And therefore, Jesus, the Holy One of God, is doing work on the Sabbath, breaking, I think, second, third commandment? It's one of those. It's a bad one. Don't be, don't be doing that. I'm the Lord your God, no other gods beside me. Yeah, the second, the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath. Um, there was a church I used to serve that had the Ten Commandments, the, um, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer on the wall. And they were actually taking them down and re-lettering each of them. And so as each one came down, it's like, you're not obligated to follow those. So they couldn't wait till the second tablet of the commandments came down, because that's the really good one. But in any event, um, so I could have just looked on the back, but we don't have that here. I think it's the second one. But the point is, now it's not so cut and dry, is it? It's not so clear right versus wrong. The unclean spirit spoke truth, Jesus, the Holy One of God, is violating the Sabbath. And to be honest, the more I get to know, you know, as I work with people and in pastoral ministry or in working with people, you know, and I'm sure our friends from His Hope Ministries can share with us, you know, when you're really getting to work deeply with people. You're getting to know them and their needs. I don't think you really come to the conclusion, this one's all bad and this one is all good. I think it's just more complicated than that. I think we all have all kinds of mixed motives and mixed obligations and mixed challenges. And I don't think that our mind and our behavior is just a battlefield, good versus evil. But sometimes we misunderstand a situation. Sometimes there's just bad luck. Sometimes there's just bad timing. Sometimes life is simply more complicated than good and evil. And in fact, maybe that's what's happening in the gospel. When the unclean spirit is speaking truth in the synagogue while Jesus is teaching, and Jesus exercises on the Sabbath, maybe it's not an issue of good versus evil, but maybe it's just an issue of timing. Sometimes things which are necessary, sometimes things which need to happen, unfortunately happen at the wrong time, and they're misinterpreted or they're taken in the way it's not meant to be. So what does that mean for us? A lot of times when we talk about discernment, we think about my job is to find the good spirit, the spirit of light in me, and allow that to take over 
and eliminate the spirit of darkness to kind of tell it to go away. But, you know, I think discernment is a lot more complicated than that. I think when we're trying to discern as individuals, as a congregation, like we will during our annual meeting today, as a denomination, as a country, as we're in an election year, I think discernment means we're called to sort through a lot of levels of motivation, understanding, timing, reflection, and to come up with a better sense than just you're good because you're on my team, you're evil because you're on the other team. But rather, we in discernment take a moment to pause, like at our annual meeting, we reflect back on what the year has taught us And we use that to, as best we can, look forward to the year coming up. After all, in the first reading, when they're asking Moses, how do we know what a prophet, whether this is a good prophet or a bad prophet, are you a good witch or a bad witch? (laughs) Moses says the prophet will speak consistently with what the Lord has said. The prophet will speak not in terms of what she wants to say, but rather will speak for God. So as we enter then into the common discernment, what we as individuals, what we as a congregation, as a diocese, as a denomination, and as a country, as we begin to sort through our discernment of where we want to go in the future. First, it ought to be informed by the realism that it's not just good versus evil, but different motivations, different understandings, different backgrounds, different timings. Secondly, because of that, we're able to reach out to each other and listen and try to understand based on charity, based on a willingness to empathize, a willingness to at least consider an alternative point of view, even if it's different than our own. And finally, prayerfully to reflect after listening, where is the Lord calling us to go? What are the movements of the Spirit inviting us forward to do? Then at that point, it is upon us to pray for the courage to move forward together as a people of different backgrounds, different motivations, different understandings, but nevertheless, trying to form the diversity of the body of Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.